Welcome to Two Girls in a Grape, turning water into wine. One bottle at a time. Oh, one bottle at a time. Welcome to Two Girls in a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine one bottle at a time. I'm Drea, and I literally always want to be on vacation. And I got the PTO to match, girl! <laughs> <laughs> and even if she didn't, she'd take it anyway. 100%. <laughs> Uh, and by the way, I'm Jules, and I love Greek mythology. I love Greek mythology, too. It's my fucking jam. Okay, so first of all, Medusa, penultimate. Second of all, how do you feel about Percy Jackson and the Olympians? I actually haven't seen that. No, girl, they're books. But there, isn't there a movie? There is a movie. It's shitty, but the books. Yeah. The books. I haven't read the books. Okay. Because I'm, I'm, I, I am very much a, I love the actual, like, reading the individual myths. But you know what I did love was Clash of the Titans, the movie. The, like, the OG. The 80s. Yeah, with the yeah. owl. Fuck yeah. With the super yes. horrible yes. fucking yes. effects. That was like one yes. of my favorites growing up. I fucking I love, love that, that movie. <laughs> I don't think I've even seen the... I have not seen the remake. Why remade would you? It. I know. Why would you? You don't mess with perfection. We Look. say it at least a couple times a week in our house. Release the Kraken! <laughs> about the dogs. Well, that's fair. <laughs> not about Rob's penis. <laughs> Wow, that escalated quickly, everybody. Sorry, Kendra and Lauren and other people that work with Hot Rob. Mom and Dad. (laughs) All right, so in case you haven't guessed, episode 57. Is not about Rob's penis. Is not about Rob's penis, thank God, to be quite honest. Um, But does have a Greek mythology edge to it. This episode kicks off our summer vacation arc. The next two episodes will feature wines inspired by the vacations of our dreams. Dreams, I tell you. (laughs) And first up is Jules' pick from her vacation wish list of Greece. Greece. But before we get into all that, to kick us off, let's start with our reoccurring segment, Cheers and Jeers. Jules, what are you cheersing and jeersing? I'm cheersing to Summer Breeze makes me feel fine. Something of my mind. I was going to say wine. Oh, good one. We're finally getting some sun in San Diego. We have June gloom in San Diego, which means that in the morning it's gloomy, but in the afternoon it's burning off. And literally today I was like, thank God. Fucking God, this shit is finally burning off and we're getting sun. In I mean, we're getting sun for like two hours. I'm I ta- I'll very, take it. Very clear. Here. I'll take it. I will take it. Jules just goes outside buck naked to soak up that vitamin D. <laughs> and you know what? If you're looking over the fucking wall at my house, that's your problem, not yeah, mine. That's their business. Or through the see through fence. I mean, whatever. Doesn't, doesn't <laughs> matter. Or whatever. any of these huge If you're looking in the direction of our home into our home, that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> A lot going on in a lot. the Jules Hot Rob household these days. <laughs> All right. And um, what are you jeersing other than to peeping Toms? I'm jeersing to people who don't understand how to use fucking headphones in public. This That's <laughs> for the people walking around with their phones on speaker, just having conversations. It's for the people in airports and on flights that don't plug headphones in for their own shit or their kids' fucking shit. I don't want to hear your kid's fucking game going off. And I don't want to hear what your, your stupid videos that you're watching of your grandkids or whatever the fuck you're doing. I hate that. And you know, you know who I know feels this is Lauren. 
Oh, this has been a hot, hot topic on our, on our group chat. <laughs> um, but also, like, no one wants to start a vacation that way. Mm-mm. No one wants to start a vacation listening to Candy Crush. No, I don't want to start my Wait, vacation by kid, having to tell someone. Do the kids still play Candy Crush? Oh, I don't know. I, don't know I used either. to love Candy Crush, though. Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay. I even referenced it in some yoga classes sometimes. There was a, It was a whole thing. Anyway, um, what was I going to say? Okay. I don't want to start my vacation by having to fucking put some common sense into someone because I do say things like, do you know what headphones are? Oh, or I'll see, turn around and say, you know, that's what headphones are made for, right? So this is where you, you and I are really different because that is exactly how I want to start my vacation. I want to come in hot. Oh, no. I want to exercise I don't want all to. that aggression. <laughs> so by the time I wake up 10 or 12 hours later... I feel good. I feel ready to receive the gifts that wherever I am is and about to everybody is afraid of you. Yes. <laughs> Including my husband. <laughs> Drea is Ursula and the Little Mermaid, basically. Oh, goals. Kind of, yeah. So many goals. Okay, Based what are you cheersing to? Uh, I am cheersing to PTO. <laughs> because she has a lot of it. Because I, one, I, I, so I didn't take any time off the first year of my career. And um, let's just say it shows in my balances. But... This, you know, for the last three weeks, it has literally been the best part of my job. So I'm just really going to celebrate it. It's been real great. Can't wait to take some next week. It's going to be great. And I do think it's bullshit that the United States is so stingy on paid time off. Oh, for sure. I mean, I have it's a crazy. fuck ton. We won't talk about how much yeah. paid time off I get. I basically work for a European company. Yeah, it's which great. is awesome. Yeah. Um, what are you jeersing to? Non-direct flights. Oh, they fucking suck. Don't come at me with that. I am sorry. I hate layovers. You know, I would like to say that it, that is the most bougie thing about me. I mean, I think we both know it's not. But <laughs> There's a lot of bougie things But about that you. is one of, like, the top three easily. Like, when people are like, yeah, there are no direct flights, I am literally like, You're like I'm not going. I'm going. <laughs> well, that destination is off the bucket list. Off the, off the table. Not doing it. Here's the thing. I'm okay with a non-direct flight with a layover that is like a one day or like one night layover somewhere that I actually want to like explore, but I don't want to spend a lot of time in. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you can get those layovers that you're like, oh, sweet. I'll just putz around Copenhagen for a day and then buzz off to like the next destination. And that's the quote unquote layover. But like the proper like two to six hour layovers. Nope. Absolutely I will not. say. Layover in Tokyo, Narita Airport, on our way to Thailand. Because there's just no way we're getting to Thailand from That's Chicago true, yeah. direct. I mean, there's certain things that, like, it's not going to be a direct flight. Fair. You're literally, there's not enough gas to get you there. <laughs> the our layover. Like, I think I can. I think our I layover can. in that airport, we had amazing sushi because we were in Japan. And even though it was airport sushi, it was, like... The I've best. heard like the Singapore airport's amazing too. Like if it's a if des- it's a su- if it's a cool airport, if it's a destination airport, you can go shopping. I'm like in. Heathrow, you can go shopping. Yeah, fuck Heathrow, fancy shopping. I hate that place. I know it sucks, but there's good shopping. I guess he. So I feel like our listeners know this, but Heathrow and Philadelphia are fucking off the menu for me. <sighs> Philly, yeah, it's not good. No, it's not good. Men's so there you have it. Way. Cheers and jeers and the jeers. So for this episode, Shawinigans, Shawinigans, we are highlighting travel, travel, 
to be on the open road, the high seas, the Mile High Club. Oh, hey, girl. Hey, girl. Wherever <laughs> your travels take you. Um, whatever, however you get there, travel is one of our favorite activities. In case you didn't realize that. Uh, I mean, we've got a whole, we have a whole art going here. Obviously, you haven't been listening long <laughs> enough. But sometimes travel can also throw you for a loop. Good, bad, ugly. This episode, Shawinigans, highlights some of our most epic travel wins and woes. So let's let's start with the positive. I mean, I know we don't often do that on Two Girls and Great, but we let's, don't. Let's start <laughs> with the positive. Let's talk about our best travel wins. So, Jules, tell us about an extraordinary travel experience you've had. So I actually had a really hard time coming up with this because nothing was staying out to me, and I had to. Really... I know because it's hours later from when oh we started, and here we are. We had yeah. to really think about it, but. I, the thing that bubbled up for me was this night market in Marrakesh, Morocco. When I was in college, I was traveling with a bunch of girls and there was this night market in Marrakesh. It was a food market and it was all these different food stalls. Did you eat camel? No, we didn't eat camel. We did eat chickpeas, which will probably show up later in the episode. But how is that? Okay, whatever. Um, but you basically just like go up to these different food stalls and you sit down and they feed you all this food for like a dollar. It was like nothing. And it's so lively and aromatic and there's, there's just so much going on. And it was such an awesome experience. And we had people coming up to us when we were sitting at the food stall saying, you shouldn't be eating that. You're going to get sick. And we're like, yeah, no, it's fine. Was like this the fucking the like, No, it was in the big open plaza in Marrakesh. Oh, okay. At night, yeah, yeah. they pull out all these different like food stalls. That's cool. And it was just like soup. The food was amazing. It was so cheap. It was so cool. And we did not get food poisoning. We didn't die. So it was fine. I love that. Yeah. I love that. How I about love you? Moroccan food too. So... Uh, the year I graduated from college, we went to, we, John and I did the grand tour of Italy. And one of the stops that was very high on John's list was Capri, um, the island. And I, I, fancy. it was very, John's fun. so fancy. John is fancy. And I didn't see the initial a- appeal, but once we got there, I was like, oh shit, this place is fucking beautiful. And a couple things, if you, Drea's if, like, I'm bougie. This is bougie. bougie. It all she adds bougie, up. She ratchet. Yeah. yeah. All the things. Thank you, Megan, the stallion. So, <laughs> um, we were, you know, we're on this island and it's, it's really interesting. If you've never been Once you get, so there's Lower Capri and there's Ana Capri. And you have to take like this funicular to get up to the top. And that's where we were staying. Because again, John, be fancy. And once you get up there, like there are no cars. None. Like everyone gets supplies or gets places by like little mini golf carts. And I mean mini golf carts or like fucking goats and wagons. So you have to walk everywhere. And, um, we, like, I wanted to go have dinner at this restaurant that was literally in a old sea cave. So we, it's like, you know, I I go to the hotel, they're like, oh, that's like an hour's hike that way. And we're like, all right, we'll do that. Fucking why not? 
So we go out, we get out there, we we have this amazing dinner. I still remember what I had. I had caprese ravioli, fresh made ravioli, caprese style, which comes from Capri. Hello. And then we we decide to walk back. Well, I mean, we had no choice but to walk back, I guess. But <laughs> at this point, we had had two bottles of wine and multiple shots of limoncello with the oh, kitchen. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we're no. feeling no pain and oh. not quite sure where we are. And we're on this fucking island, right? So we're just like meandering down. This, we're like, we'll get there eventually. It's going to be fine. Um, we end up at... I shit you not, like a gypsy dance party out in the streets. And it was amazing. The next thing I I remember, we're back at our hotel and people were like coming by. We had our, 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 our veranda open to the night air and people were coming by singing um, that White Stripes song, Seven Nation Army, but in oh, full Italian. Yeah. And I was just like... This is kind of how I want to live. This is pretty great. I'm into it. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. All right, so worst travel woe. (laughs) You've got to do... I mean, I have a few, but yours, I think, takes the cake. So I know we talked about this last year, but (laughs) Rob and I got COVID at my cousin's wedding in Scotland and then literally had to spend a week in quarantine in a hotel and didn't get to see the rest of my family and like got delayed coming home. It was just the fucking worst. Well, COVID was the fucking worst. And you came home separately. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got to come home three days after we were supposed to come home. Rob came home a week after we got to come home. But he had no symptoms still. No. Yeah. I was sick as a dog. You were he sick even when you fine. came back. Yeah. That's I tested. Did. I tested negative and got to come home fucking sick as That's dog. when we did our Chapel Downs episode. And that yes. was the first drink you would have yep. in like weeks. And you were like, I hate this. I was like, this is the worst. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, that was. So yeah. Well, being sick while traveling is the worst. It, I it also sucks. had a whole like stomach flu while in Cabo and for three days literally oh. couldn't leave our room in Cabo oh. and was porcelain gods all the way. Montez- Montezuma's oh. Revenge? No, it wasn't even that. Oh, it was something. No. It was like a horrible stomach flu. That my girlfriend got and I didn't get and she came home to San Diego and we were staying for another few days and then it hit me a day after she left. And I was like, oh, Rude. no. <laughs> yeah. Rude. Sucked. So being sick on vacation, just generally. Yeah, that yeah. that does suck. That puts a damper no on things. How about you? Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I have had my fair share of planes, trains, and automobiles in terms of vacation exploits. But one really takes the cake. So for those of you who have been listening for a while, you know, I, I go to... Barcelona. She hates Barcelona. F- fairly often. She doesn't like it. I mean, it's not like nope, I haven't not been her spot. four times in the last six months. To- totally fine. Totally fine. But one time we were there, uh, John and I, Silver Fox and I, and like one of the things I respect so hard about European countries is like they're always down for a protest and a strike. And I'm like, yeah, this is why you have nice things and we fucking don't. So, you know, and the, like the inner socialist in me is like, fuck yeah, stick it to the man. Um, 
And then you travel on one of those days where they're sticking it to Not the good. man. Yeah. And it's, it's so I. You want to unstick it to the man. I was in Barcelona and I was scheduled to fly back the day of a taxi strike. Now, normally, all right, you've got buses, you've got Ubers, you've got other options, right? Well, but again, because they're serious about social action, the bus drivers union and the Uber drivers decided to stand in solidarity yeah. with the taxi drivers and everyone was on fucking strike. So unless you were at some like, you know, insane hotel that was hooked up with a goddamn cruise ship, which she does not do. I just want that to be very clear. Sorry, Andy and Rose. Um, and they have like their own bus and shit that will shuttle you to the airport. Yeah. You're kind of fucked. So thank God we have friends there. And some of our friends were like, don't worry. We're going to like, we can rent a car for a couple of hours. Like, a you know, one of these like go cars like yeah. here in the U.S. And we'll, we'll take you to the airport. It's not a problem. And I was like, thank you so much. So it's like 530 in the morning. Ugh. And my our, worst nightmare. Just our, being up so early. Our friend so rolls, the worst. Our friend rolls, I want to cry just thinking about it. Our friend rolls up in this to-go, like, go-car, rent-a-car. And it is the tiniest fucking thing. So they need two cars to transport ever you Ever seen. And our friend Mickey and John are just standing on the sidewalk, like, looking at the car, looking at the luggage, looking at the car, looking. And I was like, all right, you know what? Both of you get in the fucking car. I'm going to take care of this. So now everyone but the driver, Mickey, has suitcases on top of them. It is a hot ass damn mess. If there was a fucking clown car situation, this was 100% it. But you know what? We made it to the airport and we got on our flight. And you got so, them. So yeah. there you go. There you go. All's up well that ends well. Supposedly. Eh. I'm still here, so I guess it's fine. All right, so there you have it, our Schweinigans. Happy traveling, everyone. For bottle number 57, which was my pick. This is Jules, by the way, in case you couldn't tell the difference between Dre and Jules. Wow. Now you're like John. You're going to say your last name, too? Uh, Jules Ferguson, everyone. Julie Margaret Ferguson. My social security number is... (laughs) That newly minted social security number. No, I've had that since I got here. Oh, really? You have a social security number for forever oh, that's right. before you, yeah. Fuck, I don't know. You have a social, you have a social security number before anything. You know I skirt the law. So, girl, I've had that for who knows if I even since have I was one. eleven. Oh, look at you. So, listen, I'm in legit. <laughs> Anywho, bottle number fifty-seven is a Dafino Liatico, 2019 Domaine Dulufakis. I'm not even gonna make a joke about that. From child. Crete, the child from Crete <laughs> in Greece. Price point for this wine is between $20 and $25. I did get this from my wine club at the Wine Finch, where we have our um, our cabin in Idlewild, California. So super cool shout out to the Wine Finch. ABV for this wine is 14.2%. So we about to get stupid. Oh, I, I was going to be like, that's respectable. That That's on the high end. Is it? I feel, yes, I feel like that's on the high end for a, you know, 6 p.m. on a Thursday night. Listen, 
I could go a full 18 at this point. <laughs> is there even 18? Probably. Yeah. Future episode, everyone. Future how, episode. How high can, how high can we get? There? Like, what's the highest ABV oh we can God. find? That's that what we're going to do. hilarious. That would be my Margaret's, like, mags. That would be up her wheelhouse. Oh, so we should do a low ABV up in her a wheelhouse? High... In her wheelhouse. In her wheelhouse. <laughs> well, have that, another slushie. That, that got Have another slushie. <laughs> All right. Maria's going to take it away because I can't. <laughs> yeah, just drink, drink your juice. <laughs> okay, so this wine is cool because it is a 100% Liatico. And the reason that we picked this for, for Jules's vacation dream episode here is Liatico is considered one of the finest red varieties from Crete and one of the most significant Greek red varietals. Love it. It's also... Harkening to your mythology, love, one of the oldest wines in the world. And the cultivation of Liatico um, dates back to the 3rd or 2nd century BC, according to datings of grape remnants found in presses at the Melissa archaeological site on Creek. So not only is this wine hopefully delicious, but it's historic. Uh, we also, And this is one of the few times I'm not really going to talk about colonialism. Because it's from Greece. Yeah, you're all welcome, everybody. <laughs> so from now I on, we met... are only doing wines that are not from the United States. I have met so my we can just match. Stop talking about colonialism. Never. I will never stop. You can never She'll make never it stop. stop. It'll never be enough. All right. So we also know um, that Liatico wine has been popular for centuries. So it's not that just it was being made. It's also been popularized, cultivated, and sold. Um, as a commodity. So it, the wine itself is mentioned in many historical texts dating as far back as the 13th century. And there are also references to Liatico wine in archival sources from the Venetian occupation in the 17th century. So just because I'm not talking about colonialism, don't think that you can escape the history of this grape. The historical fucking lesson continues. Listen, do you like mythology? Shut your mouth. All right. So in terms of soil, Liatico grows best in clay calcareous soils um in the defense area Wait, how do you pronounce that isn't it calcareous 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 does it mean there's calcium in the soil like do we know what that means no i'm not a geologist I'm a wine drinker. I'm going to look it up. Fine, do it. Keep talking. It defines, uh, so this area, the soil is characterized primarily by clay loam. And what that means is it's rich in calcium. I was right. Calcium carbonate, which produces. Containing calcium carbonate. There we go. You should have known this. Okay. You're the fucking smart person here. Listen, it's been a week and I'm a two-thirds of a slushy into this. <laughs> um, Rob, we need more slushies. <laughs> Rob, come home. <laughs> uh, so it's rich in car- calcium carbonate, which produces ideal conditions for growing this particular grape. The other thing about calcium carbonate is it also improves the structure of the soil. So this means you get good grainage and a moderate soil temperature so you're not you know it's not absorbing the heat and the cold the way some other soils do um these characteristics contribute to the production of wines that tend to be rich in structure uh intensity mouthfeel color and tend to have really balanced acid because of that drainage piece so kind of ideal conditions for drinking here um in terms of what ends up in your glass uh 
I already forgot how to pronounce this damn. Liatico. Liatico. There Liatico. we go. Liatico uh, yields wines that have fairly low color intensity depending on its age. Um, it starts as a light ruby color and over time evolves into the color of a burgundy. So I almost think about it as starting off looking more like a Pinot Noir, kind of that mm, really yeah. light or yeah. Cognon. And so, in, and this one's a fairly young wine that we're drinking, so it'll be interesting to see the color when we get to the tasting portion. Uh, the aromatic bouquet tends to be pretty unique. Like a lot of these wines from along the Mediterranean in this part of the world, because it tends to combine that fresh kind of summer red fruit aroma with also a really nice herbaceousness and some floral notes as well. As it ages, however, the bouquet tends to evolve and you get more heightened notes of leather, spices, and licorice, um, which I think is interesting. And Jules the, is not a fan of licorice, so that'll be interesting. But this is a young one, so I think you'll be okay, safe. Okay, cool. Um, the mouth is dominated by the same aromas, tends to have a moderate body, good balance in acidity, and soft tannins. And the nice thing about this wine, even though, for example, we're drinking a fairly young one today, it can age for up to 8 to 10 years, depending on the method of vinification. So um, good to know that you can always lay this one down as well. So Jules, why don't you lay some fun facts on us about some Grecian stuff? Fun facts with Jules. The ancient Greeks considered wine as an integral part of their lives. I mean, duh. Who doesn't, honestly? They even had a god of wine. His name was Dionysus, and feasts were organized in his honor. I feel like he's made an appearance on the podcast before. Dionysus? Oh, probably. Yeah. Maybe. Um, The enormous economic importance of wine in ancient times led to legislative protection. In the Museum of Thassos, there is a law engraved in marble dating back to the 5th century BC, which is considered to be the first wine law that regulated issues concerning harvest and sales. They weren't fucking I'd actually around. love to know like what it actually says. So, a little bit of research on that. The name Liatico derives from the month of July, as it is the first variety whose berries change color in July. So, very apropos of the fact that this is one of our summer episodes. Uh, while the name suggests a relationship with the Italian variety called Aliatico, and ampelographers currently discount a connection with that. And what are ampelographers, you ask? Look at you, go. Uh, the study of ampelography is the field of botany concerned with the identification and classification of grapevines. Did we, you know that? No, but we missed our calling. I did not miss my calling because I would have sucked at this. Oh, I'm but bad at science. But you so know too, but that still, one of the first I want to go wineries to that. that I went to at the wine ghetto in Lompoc was Ampelos. Oh. I don't know if they're still there, so I'm going to have to look that up. But it was called Ampelos, and I didn't know at the time that that was related to... Wait, whoever was wait. in their tasting room didn't tell you this? Didn't make this connection? No. Oh, that person's fucking fired. Well, I think sometimes the tasting room people are... They're just pouring the wines and, you know. You should all see the look on my face right now. Ugh, you also, should. I, full disclosure, I've been wanting to fire everyone this week. So it's, <laughs> it's a trend. It's, a, it's an emergent trend. So the winery that's producing the wine that we're drinking today, Domaine Dulafakis. 
Child. I'm five. Cultivate several varietals on their vineyard, including, and I'm probably going to fuck up some pronunciations here, but Volana, Vidiano, Muscat wine, Assyrtico, Malvasia di Candia Aromatica, Mandelari, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Liatico, Cozzifali, Cabernet Sauvignon, Sangiovese, and Syrah. It's quite, that's quite the list. It's a mouthful. Say that yeah. 10 times fast. No, Couldn't no, even you. do it one time. Give me another slushy and I'll try. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, Drea, tell us about the region where um, these grapes are growing. Okay, so the vineyards where these particular grapes are growing are located in the northeast of the... Oh. Pil... Wait. Psilloritis. Psilloritis. Wow. You know, because of P.S. Oh, the P.S. The psilloritis. P.S. Psilloritis. Right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I got you. Psilloritis Mountain, which is the highest on the island with an altitude of about... 2,450 meters, and Jules is going to look that up for all you baseless Americans, obviously. But, um, so it's a, it's a high point, right? It's, it's a high altitude wine that we're looking at. The surrounding area is formed by rolling hills, which are almost parallel to each other, and the vineyards themselves are planted on the slopes of these hills and face both the east and the west, which I think is really interesting. So remember, though, they are planting quite a few varietals. And when you're planting on a slope and when you're planting both east facing and west facing, you have a lot of options, right? So like, you know, your Sangiovese, your Syrah, your Cab, those are probably going to face towards the sun. That's just... They're going to get more sunshine. And some of your more delicate varietals, um, like the, the I would, honestly, I would say like the ones that typically grow on islands okay. out there, the Aerosucro, the, the, um, the, the Malvasia, those are going to grow away from the sun a little bit more. Um, these elongated valleys then that are formed between the hills serve as almost natural canals and it allows that ocean breeze from the Cretan Sea to kind of whip into the center of the property and this maintains the temperature at the slopes at very good levels, especially during the summer months. And if you've been to any of the Grecian islands, any of the Balearics, um, even the Canaries. Just the Medi- Mediterranean yeah, in general. Yeah, I mean, in the you're, you're going to find that the, the temperatures are pretty mild compared to other places, other wine growing regions you would go. So, like, you go to Napa in August, you're probably going to die. And it's just so literally. Hot. <laughs> <Yeah>. You will <laughs> it die. It's just so. <laughs> Don't <yeah>. go. Yeah. <laughs> Try drinking a fuck ton of zins and like oh, you God, know 105 no. degree Absolutely weather not. you're gonna die no. um because they're they don't have that access to that ocean breeze and that sort of terrain whereas here on these islands you're getting those hills you're getting strong winds in fact and i didn't look it up for this particular one but a lot of research fail yeah well that happens here we have it here we have it I'm a failure. Um, I ain't looking up for this particular this particular vineyard, but a lot of the vineyards in the Grecian islands actually sink their vines because it's so windy. I think because these are terraced on a hill, they might not, but a lot of them tend to, they'll dig down, you know, like two or three feet 
and they'll actually grow the vines in like a nest formation. And what that does is protects them from the high winds that are on the island that come off the ocean. Um, um, that should have been a fun fact. Well, it's That's super cool. I, know, it's I love just, that. Just should I know? I never we'll, knew that. We'll post some pictures from yeah. um, Santorini, actually. Love that. Uh, uh, also, just a little insertion here. Please do. 2,456 meters equates to approximately 8,000 feet. So that's high. That is high. So our cabin is at 6,200 feet. And that's over a mile. Yeah. That's more than a mile up. And the so, air is thinner up there. Yep. I was like, mm-hmm. the fuck is happening when we yep. went up there? Um, so, okay. Uh, so good. Te- so high elevation, good temperature regulation, sea breezes. Um, the other thing to note about this area is rainfall is super rare, especially during the oh, it's summer. it's like San Diego. <laughs> Used to be. Not this year. Hashtag climate change. All right. Um, so plans. Fake news. So on the one hand, you know, you've you've got like some drought-like conditions, right? But on the other hand, you have two things that are actually really great for, for grapes and for wine. First is if these places are doing dry irrigation. So we've talked about this before. That means that those rootstocks on the vines just have to dig really deep. And that means that they soak up all the minerality that's in the soil, um, which is really going to develop the flavor profile in the grape. The other thing that's really important for these particular vineyards is that because it's dry during the summer, the plants and the grapes avoid virus and infection. So things like never had COVID. Probably not. Good. It's a COVID-free zone. I'm but so glad. but things like um <laughs> mil- <laughs> Well, we're gonna get there. Things like mildew, things like noble rot, mm. um, you just don't get those. So the the crops are pretty well protected. But so speaking of phylloxera, let's talk a little bit about the history of this particular winery. So they have a long history. Shocking, I know, because it's in Crete. Look I mean, I mean, <laughs> I've been around a long time. When I was in DeSant, when I went to Santorini, we went to. You a, almost said DeSantis. Uh, no, I didn't. You literally almost I said almost what said I was in DeSantorini. <laughs> who wants to be in DeSantis? That's disgusting. Ain't nobody trying ooh, to be in DeSantis. Excuse me. I need to go die. Now. <laughs> um, no, when I was in Santorini, we went to a winery that had been in operation for over 500 years. You know, it's just it, like it's ridiculous, yeah. right? So the longevity here is insane with these places. Um, but they are on their third generation of winemakers. In 1930, the original winemaker, the the, the grandfather, Demetrius. Dulafakis. Dulafakis establishes professional winemaking on that family land. In 1960, his son, George, takes over the family winery. Now, here's where things get interesting. Phylloxera does arrive on Crete. But instead of in, you know, the 19th century, it's in 1977. That's my birth year. Look at me. The plague Bring in is the right. Plague. <laughs> Bring in the fucking plague to the vineyard. Um, that so checks out. It takes so much longer for phylloxera to arrive there because of the isolation of these vineyards. Um, but unfortunately, it does hit and it destroys most of the vineyards on the entire island. Mm. Um, in 1980, they begin replanting, and that process lasts nearly a decade. Wow. So in 1993, 
Nikos, who's the grandson and represents represents the third generation in winemaking, takes over the winery after he finishes his enology studies at Alba's Onological School in Piedmont, Italy. So um, he's learning wine from the Italians. And in 1994, he begins the process of reforming the vineyard to develop single varietal vineyards from indigenous Cretan varieties, such as the one we're drinking to know today. Um, but he also decides to plant international varieties, which include the Sauvignon Blanc, the Cabernet Sauvignon, and the Chardonnay. And, you know, I think this is really on trend with what you're seeing a lot of vineyards do who want to have a bigger presence abroad in Greece um, and in Spain in particular is the planning of these French varietals that you're getting or even Italian varietals in some places. He, he also introduces modern cultivation techniques by modifying some of the traditional ones like in pruning and altering the harvesting dates to adhere more to the actual weather, weather patterns. In 1996, the vineyard adopts a modern production strategy using state-of-the-art machinery, and the winery gets equipped with stainless steel tanks, pumps, crushers, etc., which increases its production capacity. Um, so this really opens up business opportunities, as you can imagine. Uh, the, in 1997, the first new bottles of two wines takes place, and this is um, the uh, Liadico. And a dry white wine of Sauvignon Blanc. Um, so this, these are the first two bottles that are really done sort of post-phylloxera planning and also post-modernization of the vineyard. In 2001, um, they start applying organic farming methods. And five years later, in 2006, five of their wine labels are certified as organic. In 2010, the winery... Um, really sort of puts a stamp on the wine world with a with a larger presence and they start distributing across all of Greece so now they've gone nationwide and you know we we don't tend to think of this as a big deal because like here in the United States like everyone knows a Napa wine everyone knows a Sonoma wine I would say a lot of people are even getting more exposure to like Paso wines or um you know, Willamette wines, things like that. But a lot of these smaller islands in the Mediterranean don't have a huge footprint on the mainland. So whether you're talking like wines from Sicily or Sardinia, wines from the, like wines from the Canary Islands are so hard to get in mainland Spain. They just don't have the distribution footprint because they don't have the production. Most of these places are really tiny. Um, so kind of going, establishing that nationwide presence is a huge deal for them. Uh, in 2012, the wines are then distributed across Europe and other countries, including the United States. Thank you very much. Australia and Japan. So in 2013, Ospros Lagos, red wine, uh, 2010 vintage is awarded the Grand Gold Medal in, oh man. Thessaloniki. Thessaloniki. Wow, you really are into mythology and shit. <laughs> Thessaloniki International Wine and Spirits Competition. Um, and their wines are also featured in the British wine magazine Decanter and later the American wine magazine Wine Enthusiast. So this is where marketing really becomes super important, mm -hmm. right? Not only are they expanding their business, but... 
they're entering their wines in these competitions and getting publications that are really going to put their wines on the map. So, frankly, they end up in, you know, at American dining room tables and in American restaurants and wine bars and things like that. So let's talk a little bit about this specific bottle that we're drinking today. Um, this was originally released as the Defense back in 1997, and it, it takes its name from the village where the winery is located. Um, today, you know, they've, it's one of their longest running wines that they've made sort of post phylloxera. And today, the wine is aged for up to 12 months in French oak barrels. So depending on, you know, the harvest and what it needs, um, they recommend serving this wine at about 17 degrees Celsius. So, yeah, you want about cellar temperature, right? Which is, frankly, where you want to drink most of your, your red wine, somewhere in that upper 60s to mid-60s range there. Um they also say, well, they also say that this wine can be served with or without food. They recommend some classic Cretan dishes like rabbit stew or nope, roasted, not. or roasted lamb. I fucking love me some rabbit. I'm not going to lie. No. Um, John's probably twisting around squirming right now, but I love rabbit. It's so tasty. Uh, and some tasty notes from the vineyard that we will have to see if we agree with are that this wine is delicate and light with a ruby color. It has concentrated aromas of fresh red fruits, herbs, and a light floral aroma. As it ages, it develops a unique bouquet of ripe fruits, leather, and spices. It has a light body, good acidity, soft and delicious tannins, and a long aftertaste, making it a very elegant wine. Sounds like a cologne. <laughs> I was like ripe fruits, leather, and spices I was like, for your man. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say it sounds like a Greek man I would meet on vacation. <laughs> I mean, I'm not mad about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> give give me that mythology. That's right. All right, so should we get into this bottle? No. What? Of course. What the fuck. <sighs> Has she learned nothing? Nothing. 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 Okay, so here we are at our favorite part of the episode where we get to taste the wine and tell you all about what we're seeing, what we're smelling, what we're tasting, and what we want to do when we drink this wine. Drea. Yes. Hit it. What do you see in your glass? Color. So I feel like the winery and their tasting notes did not steer us wrong. Like, it is a true ruby color. Yeah. It's, I think it's, I said ruby slippers. Ruby, yeah. Ruby slippers. Like, it's... That's actually kind of sparkly. That's a great explanation yeah. because it has such a a nice clarity to it mm -hmm. that you really get the brightness of the color coming yes. through the glass. And you know when I like when I'm holding it and looking at it, I can see the bottom of the glass in my hand. Yeah, the glass. So it's it's a really nice, I think, hue. And I'm gonna say, without having tried it, that you know, appropriate for summer, kind of that mm -hmm. lighter bodied, lighter red bodied red. That yeah, we were promised Perfect. for sure. Okay, on the nose. This is where it gets good. Okay, I am getting what I, so it's, there's something about it that's like really earthy and I'm getting black pepper, like black peppercorns. That black peppercorn. Like a peppercorn. little bit of that, like um, 
almost like not that you want to sneeze, but there's no, that exactly, little bit yeah. of that on the finish aspect of it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm also getting some fruit. Like I'm getting like some raspberries. Definitely, kind of more on that um, that punchy end of the summer red fruits, mm-hmm. right? But I'm also getting some deeper notes like leather and tobacco, things that I would associate with a more aged wine. This is a 2019. So, you know, it's it's not terribly aged in terms of reds, but I'm still getting some of those like really nice developed notes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Shall we taste it? Yeah. Do it. Do it to it. Tastes like Clash of the Titans. No, just kidding. <laughs> so, Tastes what? like Clash of the Titans meets. <laughs> so what do you... Perseus. What? <laughs> Tastes like Percy, Perseus. Percy. What, what per- is it? Percy and Percy his, Jackson. Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson, the Olympians. That's what I taste. I love that shit so much. All right. So I, um, what do you get? So, you know, they said licorice was part of like their tasting notes. I'm getting... There's like this bitterness that I'm tasting, not in a bad way in... So I'm calling it early licorice, and um, I think you said coriander. Is uh, or, a... So like it's definitely very herbaceous. I yeah. think um, so. I'm getting like tarragon, which is a an herb that has like some of that sweetness of basil, but also more of that like licorice taste to it. Yeah, um, and coriander, which is like a bitter herb, right? Coriander um, also for the Americans that are listening is cilantro. Isn't it like the like the ground it's a cilantro seed, seed. seed though? Yeah, it's a seed. It's right? cilantro. It's, yeah, but not the plant. No, but it's like coriander seed, and cilantro yeah. are the same thing. But it doesn't taste yeah. like soap. I wonder if people taste it. Oh, I wonder if the people that have, have a cilantro, cilantro thing, soapy thing have the coriander thing. Okay. Oh, that's so curious. If Dear you have listener, that, let us know. Dear person that's listening. <laughs> Tell us, do you have that issue? Yeah. What is what is your take on coriander? What is your hot take on yes. coriander? No, but certainly like really herbaceous. And I actually don't get the fruit until the finish. Like it's mm-hmm. that. So it does have a longer finish as promised. And that's where I'm getting like the raspberry, the blackberry, the red plum, um, you know, those red summer fruits that we think about and that we associate with a red wine. But yeah, that that kind of punch of herbaceousness hits you right away. Mm-hmm. All okay, right. pairings. Pairings. Food. Well, I know that um, you were sort of horrified by the Cretan rabbit stew dish, but quite frankly, I so I did. Let me just say this first. I do think this is a wine that you would pair with food. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily drink it as a standalone because like of we that. are doing right now. Well, I mean, we, have <laughs> we some, did have some salty meats just to and some animal crackers. We did that. Yeah, that's a balanced <laughs> meal for a responsible adult. It's a totally <laughs> balanced meal. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I had a sandwich at like eleven a.m. It's fine. So it's cool. Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So um, I I would pair this with food though because of like that herbaceous punch that it has, and I love a gamey meat. So like to me, like I have a grilled rabbit dish at this like roadside place. The last time I was in Lanzarote, and like that's kind of what I want to eat with 
with this wine. I would also do wild boar. I would do venison. So any of the kind of gamier meats is sort of where I'm and like on a grill or on an open flame. Mm -hmm. Like those are, that's, that's what I'm after. How about you? I'm after this made me think of a chickpea stew that I make that has onions, um, coriander, also the fresh cilantro, tomatoes, Look at um, you making two girls and a grape vegan again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, kind of. And then with some fresh pita. I mean, pita, yeah, obviously. But also that chickpeas too, you could easily do some like grilled chicken in it. Like, you know, you could like, you could make, you could put meat in there. Grilled rabbit. I mean, I love some meat. So like, I just think the the flavors of that, the onions, mm-hmm. the tomatoes, the cilantro, would go really well with this. Yeah, those those rich Mediterranean mm-hmm. flavors. Yeah. yeah, for sure. All right. So what's um the sitch. Yeah, what do you what do you what sort of situation and entertainment are you pairing this with? Okay, so I'm as usual I'm gonna combine mine a little bit. So my situation would be a beach bonfire where you can grill food like over the bonfire. Smoky. And just be like hanging out like barefoot, feet in the sand. Like that to me is very reminiscent of being on vacation and being on vacation somewhere like Greece or, you know, just in the Mediterranean where you're, it's just like carefree. I like that. I like, I like the sentiment behind that. So for those of you who may not be traveling, um, in the you know near future here i think this is a great wine to channel your inner vacation desires so um this is a wine where it's like oh man let's make some greek food at home and like watch a show and that that transports you somewhere else so (gasps) you know i just thought would be great oh god i'm afraid okay you make some greek food Uh uh-huh you've got your projector in the backyard so you're sitting outside Okay, all right. And you're watching the... Um, Clash of the Titans. No, what's the ABBA movie? Oh, absolutely the fuck not. Mamma Mia? Mamma Mia! No! Oh, God. Yes! Oh, I'm sorry, that. we're going with the Greek theme. There are better Greek themes to go with. So. Why? Have you seen the movie? It is... It's fine. Like, it's an entertaining movie. You're dear, such a snob. Dear listener. No, I'm not a snob. I just don't like romantic comedies. What's wrong with you? I mean, we don't have that kind of time on this episode, Jules. <laughs> You're always like, bitch, keep it to 45 minutes. Okay, it's we true. don't have that kind I of do. Time. I try to rein her in and now I'm letting her we loose. We don't have that it's kind of time. Fine. But I'm saying, I'll, okay, for I'll, those of, for those of you out there. I'll give that are, you my therapist's number. That are freewheeling. I feel like that's a really good situation. Oh, man. All right. Some fucking dolmas, some stuffed grape leaves, a projector movie of Mamma Mia in the backyard with this wine. Yes. Okay. So Lauren's with me. The thing I would have on the projector. Some dark fucking shit. I mean, sort of. So there's this great um, show. It's on Netflix. What's she about to say? And it is... It is actually from Greece. It's a Grecian production called Maestro in Blue. I started watching it on a recent trip to Spain. I was hanging out with some friends in Sitges, and we started watching it. It's basically like a Greek telenovela, and I was fucking into it. So features a music festival, 
that goes awry. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Yeah. There you go. So, Maestro in blue. I mean... My other pick would be Disney's Hercules, but okay, that's, that's so stupid. No, it's but so Mamma Mia's off topic or off limits. Disney's Hercules is a fucking classic. okay. Now we're gonna okay. Anyway, so good. Okay, it's so, so there good. you have it. Have a sense of humor. You have it. Have some whimsy. Color, nose, taste, pairings, all of the things. You're welcome. Let's talk about where can you purchase this bottle? At the know, Wine you, Finch, we you, know you bought it. <laughs> At the Wine Finch, we know that. So, I mean, so this is a, a, a bottle where you're really going to find it at your smaller wine shops. So, um, think small local wine shops. Think wine shops that are featuring more um, eco-friendly, organic, uh, biodynamic produced wines, things of that nature. Again, this I'm going to pl- I haven't done this plug in a while, but I'm a huge fan of WineSearcher.com. You can really put any wine you could possibly desire into that website and it's going to tell you where you can find it by state by region um if they ship if they don't ship so it it is a phenomenal resource and, and disclaimer is, we are not paid by wine searcher we would not. love we're, to be paid by wine not, searcher we're not paid by anyone we're up we <laughs> will we will whore ourselves out if yeah. anybody wants I mean, to sponsor us, us hey not you, anybody it has to be a certain kind of somebody. Oh, D Wade, if you're listening, listen, just, Wine Searcher, just you want to fucking like sponsor us to, you know, D, so shout you out. Wade Sellers liked one of our posts recently, and I was like, we're one step closer. We're getting off topic. One step closer. I'm just saying. Okay, next bottle. What are we doing? So Drea's pick. It is my pick. She's still trying to figure it out. I am still trying <laughs> to figure it out, but I do have the destination, and my bucket list is South Africa. So stay tuned. And if you have a favorite wine from a favorite vacation destination, hit us up on Instagram. We're at two girls and a great pod. That's T-W-O girls and a great pod. And if you have enjoyed this episode, if you have enjoyed our learning something, (laughs) sure. Learning about the opposite, the opposite of yeah. a vacation. Like, I don't want to learn shit right now. I'm sorry. We're at the end here. <laughs> the learning has been done. Um, but if, if you've learned something, if you've been inspired, if you now want to go watch Disney's Hercules because of me, you're welcome. Or Clash of the Titans. Because of both of us. Because it's awesome. Because it's amazing. Because it's fucking awesome. Um, leave us a five-star review. We appreciate it. And we appreciate you. So until next time. Salud. Salud. Cheers. My glass is empty and her glass is full. Something is very wrong here.